group, but we had a little bit of technical difficulties, so I will post the recording later. Later, but if you're catching us live, welcome in. Me and my buddy Jordan Lawson here. We're going to talk about how to overcome imposter syndrome. And with that, Jordan, take a second and introduce yourself to the people. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Jordan. I'm a mindset coach living in San Diego, California. Uh, Red and I connected probably about a week ago, and we found we had a lot in common, and we wanted to see if we could provide some extra value to the, the people who want it. Um, imposter syndrome is something that I've personally dealt with. Have you, Red? Oh, yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. I think it's something um, we continue to battle, huh? Well, I think, you know, from all of my research about it, and maybe you can back me up on this, this is really something that literally everyone deals with. And the irony is that everyone feels like no one else is dealing with it. Yep. Sounds about right. <laughs> so what, what kind tell me about your experiences with imposter syndrome and maybe something that you've done that has led to some success for you. For sure. I think for me here, it's been, I, I was researching and it was like, they talk about five different faces of mm -hmm. imposter syndrome. You know, you hear about the perfectionist, the soloist, the superhuman, the expert and the natural genius. And I probably most resonate with either the soloist, which is someone that, you know, their their pride gets in the way of them asking for help. They almost feel like it's a sign of weakness and it almost shows that they're unqualified in their field. And then another one that I could resonate with as well as the superhuman, which means, you know, you tend to be a workaholic at times. You get yeah. addicted to the way it feels to carry a team on your back. You're addicted to the validation that comes from working, not the work mm -hmm. itself. And I really, throughout my, my life, have definitely felt fallen into probably those two categories. Mm -hmm. And it's just been when those things happen, I have to remind myself, you know, it's not a weakness to ask for help that actually there's a strength in asking for help because you're not, you're only going to grow to the capacity that you choose to ask for help and get mentorship. Cause you can, I always tie it back to kind of like the, the program we're in now is mm -hmm. that, that idea of like, you can sit there and, you know, go on Google university or um, YouTube you and try to, look for days and days to do it on your own. But when you have a coach that's already been there before that can help you along the way, you can go a lot further faster. And that's one thing that I've done when it comes to trying to be a superhuman or trying to do it by myself, realizing that it's okay to take breaks and realizing that it's not a weakness to ask for help. And um, with that, you know, what are some things maybe in those categories that you've faced or some other areas of imposter syndrome? I would say that the perfectionism one oh, yeah. really rings true for me. Um, I, I really had no idea until maybe a few years ago how much of a perfectionist I am and really how all of the issues that I had tied back to that perfectionism. In working with clients now, I find that it's the same thing. Wow. You know, I love working with these, you know, high achievers that then they get to a certain point and they're struggling and then they're guilting and shaming themselves and feeling like they're not good enough. And all of that comes from these unrealistic expectations of themselves and what they're supposed to achieve. Right. For sure. Yeah. That sounds, mm. sounds a, a lot like, you know, us in general, it's so easy for us to think it has to be perfect. And for me, I come from a background where I was helping a very successful YouTube channel that was even on um, broadcast on Daystar and TBN, stuff like that. So like there was a level of like TV quality, high quality videos and very well thought out things. And I'm over here like a newbie with a, an iPhone and I'm like, I wanna make videos. I wanna be, you know, a speaker and have a YouTube channel. And you see all these things of like such great excellence that you mm -hmm. almost fall into that trap of I'm not going to do it because I can't be on that level, but you got to remind yourself in those times, they didn't get on that level overnight. Having so much content available to us is such a blessing, but then also such a curse because we never get to see the work in progress. We never get to see the rough draft. Uh, I think, um, what is it? Mozart uh, is known to have created something like 700 compositions right and we know like 50 of them really really well those have stood the test of time they're being played 300 years later but like 650 of them aren't 
Yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty big, a pretty big difference, right? Sure. Like we, we understand that this guy is, is profound and his skills are transcendent yet not everything that he creates is profound and transcendent. For sure. And even just that idea of, it almost takes a work ethic too. I think of the recent Kanye documentary on Netflix, mm -hmm. he's literally like rapping to A&R's uh, I forgot what song it was, but it was one of his early hits. And they're just like on their phone, like working, ignoring him completely. And it's just like you could take that moment if you didn't know the success of Kanye. If you mm -hmm. know that success and if you didn't see that, you'd be like, oh, he just overnight wrote Runaway and all the amazing things that we, we it know. It feels that way. It yeah. feels that way, doesn't it? Here's a story that I tell perfectionists, and it's something that really hit home for me. Uh, I was actually going to tell this to you before we got and went live. And I was like, wait, hold on, hold on to the goods. Yes. But the story is is so good. It's about a uh, a college professor who's a ceramics professor. He taught people how to make uh, you know things with clay. And he decided to do a little experiment. He was going to cut his, his class, class into half. So half were going to be graded over the semester. He said, this half, I want you to create the most beautiful, perfect clay pot that you can. And we're going to grade you on how perfect it is at the end of the semester. The other half, he said, we want you to create as many clay pots as you can. We're going to grade you on how many you can create over the course of the semester. So you get to the end of the semester, you look at all the clay pots that are on display. And the crazy thing is that the clay pots that were made by the people who made more were so much better than the clay pots that were trying to be made perfect. Yeah. So, so why? Well, the people who obsessed about making one clay pot, they obsessed, but they didn't have the experience or the skills that the other people did from making 200 clay pots over the same time period. Done is better than perfect. Yeah, that's The expectation great. of being perfect the first time that you do something is debilitating and it just crushes your soul. But if you realize that instead of getting like, two A's and five F's, it's better to get seven C's across the board. Yeah. That is going to be better for you in the long run. For sure. For sure. I agree. It's kind of like the saying about when you're writing songs, they're never finished, they're released. And it's like, you're not going to always think of like the idea of just press record or you think of the Gary V document because it's definitely going to be through time. Cause I mean, I really started my TikTok journey to bring it back to kind of like what we're doing now is yeah. I started this whole really posting on TikTok journey, probably the, the end of last year. And that's before I actually had a working microphone for my camera, for my phone. So like I had to go like five steps just to record any audio of myself with video. But with that, it's like I had to put, put in that effort and, be like awkward on camera, do a lot of lip singing trends, but it was yeah. that I learned a lot about the app. I learned, you know, how to do the text, right? Which ones are going to flop, which ones are going to work, but it's with that time. And if I would have just like waited till I got a working phone that I could just be like, okay, cool. Now I can do a video. I wouldn't know what I know now. So now that I've actually been able to really record anytime I get an mm -hmm. idea, it's like, I already have that, that idea, that, that toolbox of, I've seen this work. I haven't seen that, that work. And it's great to just get out there. And I really want to encourage my, my group out there. If you're like in that space of being a perfectionist and it's really paralyzing. And I think I said it in my podcast, it's a distraction from action and it paralyzes you from your purpose, this imposter syndrome, but don't, don't allow that to happen. When you feel like that it's never going to be right, so you're never going to start, then don't be afraid to fail because every time you fail and you put something out there, you're going to learn from it and you're going to get better. And if you continue to put things out there, more people are going to see the process and realize, hey, I'm also kind of in the same boat. And it's amazing that when we get that community of people that are on that similar level, we can definitely like rally around each other and be like, hey, this worked for me. And this person could be over there like, hey, that worked for me or that didn't work for me. And it's like collectively when we're getting out our art or our, our business or whatever it may be that we're, we're trying to do, if we're doing it together then we're realizing that at the end of the day, we are all human. And that's what I love about the TikTok being such a prevalent platform these days is because 
gone are the days of Instagram filters where it's, uh, you, you had to be perfect. And it almost got some of us elder millennials. It got us into that trap of comparison because we start comparing ourselves again to like the, the perfect people we see. And it's like, man, I'm never going to make a, a post like this person or that person. But you can. It just really takes time and effort and not being afraid to press post, press share. Man, that's great. Um, there's a couple uh, graphics that I really love. Um, I don't have them pulled up, but uh, where it just kind of shows the the progress, the rate of progress is a long line. It's a long line. It's a long line. And then it will finally go up at the end. And right before it starts to go up, there's a little tick and it says, this is stupid. I should give up. Yeah. Right. It feels like that until it takes off. Yeah, for sure. If you, if you continue to push with that long-term strategy, not worrying about what happens in the short term. We could have 200 people watching this video. We could have one person watching this right. video. Like really what we're doing is we're, we're providing value the best we can and we're learning how to get better at it too. That's right. So you're going to learn by doing right. <laughs> right. I know. So, you know, imposter syndrome can be overcome if you give yourself the freedom to fail. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, it's really that simple. And I heard it also in another place is like having the freedom to talk that out too. Because it's like you said, everyone battles with this, but everyone thinks they're the only one. And it's when we have that open conversation of, hey, I feel like a fraud. Hey, I feel like, am I even good at this, what I'm doing? And it's yeah. in those moments that you're just being vulnerable and transparent and sharing with those around you that they're like, no, you're amazing. You crush it at that. And you can be like, what, really? And it gives you that kind of that, that sense of confidence that you are going in the right track and that you aren't an imposter. Because I think even like you were mentioning the, the Dunny, how, how do you pronounce that? The Dunning-Kruger, Dunning yes. yes. Yeah. Can you uh, give me, um, what do you call it? Can you uh, give me ownership so I can share on the Zoom? Uh, yeah, let me see. I'm going to share my screen. Let's see, how do I do that? Let me go over to... So I think it should be in your, if you like click chat and then there should be settings at the bottom right after you do that, you should be able to make me host for a minute and then I can screen share. <laughs> hey, what's up, Brad? I did not paint this in the background. It is pretty badass though. And then... Cool. Now my mother actually painted those two on the side, but not this big one. Yeah, super thick background. I know, right? I love it. You are now host, so go for oh, it. Beautiful. Sharing my screen. All right, beautiful. So uh, Dunning Kruger, uh, they're like two guys uh, that were researching the way that people perceive confidence and knowledge and any new subject, right? So this graph is just so important when you understand the course of you learning something new. Whenever you learn anything for the first time, immediately you feel like I am the best. I am God's gift to whatever I'm doing. I am the king. And that happens right here. This is the peak. I've also referred to this before as Mount Stupid. Because <laughs> you're an idiot, because you're ignorant, you don't really know what you're doing, but you yeah. feel like you do. I've been in this position before. I'm sure oh, you yeah. have. I'm sure anybody who's watching has been on this spot before where you feel like you understand everything, but you really don't. Then once you learn more, you learn how much more you have to learn. Yeah. And look at the confidence gap. So when you look at people that you're comparing yourself to, your confidence is down here in this cultured area where you're learning about what you're trying to get better at, but you're competing against people who have confidence up here yeah, and also confidence up here, right? Sure. How are we supposed to know the difference when we're just looking at confidence instead of knowledge? Mm-hmm. The more you learn, the more you realize how much you have to learn. And when you're comparing yourself to others, as far as whatever your progress is, comparison is the thief of joy. Oh, There's yeah. no way around it. That's great. I love that. Comparison is the thief of joy. But yeah, and I love that you were able to share that 
peak and valley. And I can attest even into my own life. I, I've been playing drums for my church for a while, but mm -hmm. I remember when I first tried out, I had been practicing for what I thought was a decent amount of time. And I was pretty yeah. confident and yeah. I went to go try out for our worship team and totally bombed. <laughs> and they were like, mm, no, I think you're going to need to try again and come back later. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I got this. It's going to be great. Went in, went into the tryout, totally tanked it. I was actually yeah. playing on the guy at the times kit as the practice and he didn't have, um, the toppers for his cymbals in my final crash. I knew yeah. it flew off at me and I was like, you know what? You're right guys. I'm not ready. And I just kind of like sadly walked off. But with that, I mean, I didn't stop obviously. I mean, I knew that this was in me that I really wanted to play drums. So I, I kept at it and I mean, tried out again, made it been serving multiple services a week now, but it's in this like later cultured, you know, mm -hmm. knowledge of it phase that there's even times now that I step off stage and I'm like, am I really this good at that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like, yeah, this graph is what happened to you. You exactly. were here, exactly. then yeah. you had that experience where you learned more. And then what happens to a lot of people is they get to this point of low confidence and they say, I am not going to be good enough ever. And I'm just going to give up. Right. And you push through yep. and you're here now. Are you ever going to be as confident as you were before you, you know, you, you had that experience, like when you first started, like maybe not. And that's probably a good thing. That's okay. Yeah. It keeps you yeah. always wanting to grow. Cause I feel like if we feel like we're the absolute expert, then we stop trying to learn. And if we stop trying to learn, we stop trying to grow. And if we stop growing, we die. Right. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I have a lot left that I think I need to impact people with yeah. for me to just give up now. I got uh, Faith uh, Cecilia 622 in the chat saying, I remember feeling like I was a pretty good flute player until I went to my audition day for college. Ooh. And I heard the other flute players that were also auditioning and was ready to throw in the towel. I, I mean, I hear it. It's the same thing, right? You yeah, feel like for sure. you know, when you're a big fish in a small pond, like in high school, you feel like you're, you're God's gift to, to music. Yeah. And then you, you realize, oh, there are people at other high schools who were big fish there. And now we're all little fish. And it can be debilitating. And that's what imposter syndrome is, is you feeling like you don't deserve to be there. Yep. But you do, Frank. Here's a, here's a technique that I use talking about playing with bands. I, uh, I'm a very good piano player. And for the past couple of years, I was playing with this uh, really like the high price wedding band. So we play all the country clubs. And I don't know, they, I think it was like six grand to book us. It was 10 piece band. It was a big deal. Right. Yeah. And I started playing with this band and the guy who I had replaced, uh, he was, he, he was a legend, you know, he'd been playing with that band for 10 plus years. Everyone loved him. And the piano seat is a really tough seat to play in any band, especially ones like these, you got to learn 60 to 80 songs every night. There's not really time for you to read music or turn pages or whatever you got to do. You got to know them. Right. And, uh, and so I'm like struggling my first couple gigs and the singers pulling me aside being like, I want you to play with more confidence. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Just like, tell me what songs I'm messing up and what you want to hear specifically. And she didn't have the vocabulary to, to be able to tell me what to do. You know, nobody yeah. is going to be able to, who's not a pianist is going to tell me what specifically they're looking for. So, you know, she keeps pulling me aside and my confidence is just taking hit after hit after hit. And so I, I really needed to do something. And I remember discovering a book about a, maybe two months into me playing with this group. The book was called The Alter Ego Effect. Um, pretty well known in the mindset business. Uh, I will say the book is maybe 200 pages too long. <laughs> but the crux uh, of like the strategy of The Alter Ego Effect is fantastic. So in a nutshell, there are two strategies that I use in my clients from this book. The first one is the most powerful and it kind of is the sidekick to the title of the, the book. Your negative self-talk, you want to personify it. You want to give it a name. You want to give it an ego, an alter ego, as they say. And that name should be something that you associate as weak or silly or stupid or something ridiculous. So I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know if there's any Pokemon fans that are watching, but my alter ego self-talk name is Team Rocket, like from Pokemon. 
they're just notoriously bad at what they do. They continuously lose to a 13-year-old kid episode after episode hilariously, right? And so when I start to have that negative self-talk, when I start to question my skills, my abilities, my belief in myself, I say, this is Team Rocket. I can beat Team Rocket every time. This is so dumb. I've got a couple of clients who are doing this right now. Um, <laughs> uh, they come up with some creative names and it's not even about you know the name, but just giving it that silly personification allows you to reframe your mindset to understand this isn't real. This doesn't matter. I can't talk to myself this way. I need to be a good teammate to myself, a good friend to myself. I love that. That is great. And y'all listening, hopefully there's some Pokemon fans out there <laughs> that can definitely relate to that name. I love it. I definitely grew up on some Pokemon. I actually have a question from one of our our nice. over on Facebook. Yeah, let's do it. My buddy Oscar, he's asking, what are some ways to make sure we stay on that healthy level of confidence? If that makes sense, he says. Well, let's talk about what a healthy level of confidence is. What do you think? Yeah. What do you think, Red? What's like, what's too confident? What's not confident enough? Where's the healthy, the healthy line? That's a, that's a great, it's a great question. For me, I think it would come to a fact, come to a point where it's like, can you really back up what you're saying? Because you don't, you, and also to the point of like, are you just trying to be that cocky, like alpha man, male in the room? Are you trying to like be that standout guy? I have to one up you. I know we've all seen the people, we've all had the friends. Hopefully someone at home hasn't been the friend that always has to one up someone. I think once you get to that level of confidence, you might want to scale it back a bit. And I mean, you definitely, as far as the opposite, no confidence you definitely would want a level of confidence knowing that you are capable and worthy of doing what you're doing and it may not even be even tied into doing things because uh, i'll go on a, a little tangent there as oftentimes yeah, yeah. i feel i feel like we go into this space of especially if you're a creative or you're an artist or you're a performer in general you you tend to tie what you do with who you are and I don't believe that's the case at all. Like if you're, if you're trying to find your self-worth in being a drummer or being a singer, like you're always going to be striving for something that's never going to be satisfying because you're going to realize that deep down, like you can't, you can't be a singer or a drummer forever or even a, a sports player. I use that analogy as well plenty of times because a lot of sports players or even someone that's in the military, someone that's done something so much in their life that, that when they finally stop doing, they're like, who am I? And it's a lot of times you see people that when they finally retire their career, they're like, they have this identity crisis of what am I? Who am I? And if you always tie back your identity to who you are as a person more than what you do, then you'll always find that your confidence isn't in your abilities to an, to a degree. Cause if, if we're always tying our confidence to how well we do something, then we're going to be in this space of, I've always got to be on this X level, which is great. And by all means, I'm all for achieving. I, I, call myself a high achiever myself yeah. but it's this idea of like you just really have to dial into that idea that your identity is not wrapped up in what you do but mm -hmm. who you are as a person and the character you have there but i went on that whole tangent to hopefully answer your question oscar um that what is a healthy level of confidence i would love to hear jordan's thoughts on that as we segue back to you I love this question because I don't think anyone with an unhealthy level of confidence, meaning too high, would yeah. ever ask this oh, question. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right? This is somebody saying, like, I am so concerned with appearing to others as being overconfident. Exactly. And so because of that, I'm going to dim my own light to make sure that I don't appear selfish, that I don't appear to be overconfident, to, like I don't know what I'm, I'm talking about. And that is a limiting belief, which is going to keep you from ever being confident. Exactly. So when it comes to confidence, a lot of us, like you said, identify our, our level of confidence with things that are not having to do with us, with what we do, with what we identify. So if you were to get to in an imaginary future, 
what would be, what would have to happen for you to achieve optimal confidence in yourself and in your abilities? Really talk it out. What would have to happen? Because most times the people who you ask that question to have never thought of that in their lives. They just have this imaginary vague idea of what it means for them to be the person who they want to be. What even is it? Saying something like, I want to be famous. So vague, right? What does it even mean to be famous? Does that mean you have 10,000 followers on TikTok? Does that mean you have 100,000 followers? When are you going to be satisfied? When are you going to be confident in yourself? When are you going to give yourself permission to be happy with who you are? Exactly. Man, that's so good. I always think back to, I help with the youth a lot at our church. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're a former middle school teacher, right? Yeah. So I'm sure you've probably heard that time and time again. What, what young teen, teen doesn't see this world of um, follows and social medias and think, I want to be famous. Awful. Man, middle school tears you down. It's real oh, yeah. rough. Dude, I remember even back when I went to middle school, how tough that was. I can only imagine. But yeah, it definitely goes back to that question. I love that that you turned it to a space of like, really, what what is it that is going to drive that confidence? And what is it that that really describes who you are as a person? Well, let's talk on that for a second, because when you're a kid, a baby, your job is to get your family to like you. Right. When you get a little bit older and you get into school, all of a sudden, it's more important to get your peer group to like you to fit in. And if you don't get your peer group to like you, that struggle follows you for the rest of your life. And you always are hyper aware of what other people are expecting of you. You make all these assumptions about what they might be thinking of you because it's so important for you to fit in. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. It's it's amazing how we spend so much of our life trying to fit in with our tribe, even you could say it that way, that that we almost take it. And especially in like, I would say in the, in America, for sure, like you're so tied to like, what are the conversations you have small talk with people? It's, hey, how are you doing? How's work? What do you do? It's never, you know, like, how are you doing? Like, as a person, it's. Bad. I, I used to answer those questions like really and then people oh yeah like, yeah people never like really want to know <laughs> don't come at me, at me with all your drama yeah, don't don't let me know that you're going through that just say you're fine and move on it's so sometimes funny. i'd be really good and they'd be like okay okay you're you're really good you, you mentioned tribe earlier like it, it it made me think about where this feeling comes from because mm-hmm. biologically when we lived in tribes yeah like for real you know, loincloth and everything. If you were excluded from your tribe, it was as good as a death sentence. Like you were going to die without the tribe to protect you. And so biologically, we are wired to get everyone to like us, even though it's literally impossible to get everyone to like you. And if you live your life trying to get everyone to like you at all times, first of all, who are you even really? Yeah, You're just a chameleon who's trying to fit into every situation instead of establishing this is who I am. This is what I value. This is what I do. Yeah, and I think that's huge in any personal development or growth. And especially for those that want to, if you go back to high achievers and those that want to build a business, if you don't have any of that figured out before you start a business, then you're going to be trying to do so much and you're not going to be going anywhere and you're going to be like, why am I not seeing results? And it's all tied back to your mindset in your personal development, because if you plan to be a CEO, um, you got to act like a CEO and you got to have that mindset. And it's just amazing to me. So many people out there that want to, to go after big dreams in general, but then they're not working on their own personal self and their development. And they're not thinking of, you know, like their daily mundane task or like, taking care of the relationships that are in front of them. And it's so easy to get wrapped up into all the other things, but yeah, it's so important. And I'm glad that we're having this conversation about imposter syndrome and all the other things, but it really ties back to how your mindset is really going to be the the launching pad for any area of your life. And if you're, if you're going out on any venture, if you're not starting with who you are as a person, then your your rise to the top or anything is only going to be sustained by the character that you have. Yeah. 
and it's it's amazing it's amazing to me how we always see if you look in the church world we see a lot of like celebrity hollywood <laughs> you could call them pastors they have amazing followings you know they can talk the talk they can wear the skinny jeans and the glasses uh -huh. but then they have a fall from grace literally and it's not to say anything like to to tear them down but it's to say like where's their character at what is their what does their circle look like and it's like for me and what i would love to do and everything that I have planned, it's like, if my character is not in check, then it doesn't matter how much success I could reach because there's always going to be that, that potential for you to come crashing down. Mm. The, um, something you said made me think about the, uh, the other part, the other strategy from the alter ego effect that I was mentioned yes. earlier. Um, so the first one is giving that alter ego to your negative self-talk, but the, the other one is giving an alter ego to yourself. And it's a way of psychologically distancing yourself from the results of whatever happens. Saying that, uh, I think you said something like, you know, when something happens to you at work or in your field of play, yeah. like that's not happening to you. When someone criticizes your actions, they're not criticizing you, they're criticizing your actions. You are not your actions. You are not your words. You are so much more than that. Those things matter to you. And if you identify strongly with them, then that's what really tears your confidence down. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I can even, I can personally attest to that back when I was working in my previous job, doing a lot of graphic design and video editing, I had a lot of freedom of like, here's we need an intro video for an event and you would put all this time and effort and almost yourself into the project uh -huh. to like lose sight of the vision of the company and the brand that you're working with only for them to be like this is cool and all dude but that's not us and and it's so easy in that moment if you're taking mm -hmm. to the fact that like what you do is your identity to be like what i'm not Am I not a part of this? Am I not good enough? But it's never that you're not a good enough. It's just simply like what you created in that moment was not what they were looking for. And it's so, and or I think even, and yeah, in so many work environments, I can think even my wife will mention sometimes that they have like performance coaching one-on-ones. Yeah. It's something that like they critique there and she almost takes it too personal. And I just try to remind her in that moment, I'm like, babe, you got to understand. Right. That Telling someone you're taking it too personally has yeah. never, ever oh, been a successful strategy. It, yeah, it but never it's so worked. true, you know? It's so true, but it never worked. It's like, I'm sorry to say this because it's like going to be taken me, wrong. You need to relax. You need yeah, to relax. Yeah, I love when people are like, you need to relax. I can't. Calm down. Yeah, don't you tell me no. to calm down. You calm down. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's amazing that we, we need those people in our lives, but we also have to be open enough to listen to those people in our lives. And I think that's where doing, you know, getting something like not to shamelessly promote ourselves, but having someone like a coach and having someone that, you know, is an unbiased, almost outside opinion, letting you know, this is what I see. And it's nothing against your own personal character. It's just a 360 view of your situation it's so important and i feel like a lot of people are learning more and the fact that that's so much it's so necessary and so needed if yeah. you want to grow personally if you want to grow in your business and i just love this idea and i'm so glad that both of us are kind of in this space and we're getting to start these businesses and really help people because ultimately i mean that's our goal right it's not about getting rich and famous it's really to help and impact others the the problems that you and I come across when people come to us with problems, it, it's usually not very difficult to yeah. see what's going on. But the thing is, is that when you have a problem, you're too emotionally close to the situation exactly. to see it objectively. I mean, how many times has a friend come up to you and asked for help or told you about their problem? And you're like, it's this, this, and this, like, this is what you need to do. And it's so clear to you. And it's so murky and vague for them because they're so tied up in it emotionally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I can think of all the times people have came to me with things. And it's funny because it's almost like the closer you are to that person, mm -hmm. the more that you 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 feel the, the need to say like, hey, this is it. And you're really blunt about it. And you're 
to the point and they, they it's almost like they don't they still don't get it because they 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 see you as being like the close friend and they're yeah. like no you just don't understand and then someone who's like a complete stranger says the same exact thing you tell them and then they go do it and trust it and you're like it depends on your emotional connection exactly it's the person you're trying to share it with yeah. if they're too close then they they can't take advice from you exactly uh, I think it was uh, Parks and Rec. Uh, yeah. I think it was Parks and Rec where they, I learned, it's like sometimes people tell you about their problems, but they don't want you to give them the solution. They just want you to listen. Yes. And so with your loved ones, I usually, I, I try and ask, I have this whole thing about how so many of the problems that all of us deal with in every facet of our lives have to do with making assumptions about what other people are thinking. And if you just ask a clarifying question, for some reason, we as a society have this fear against asking clarifying questions, and we just assume past each other all day long. Just like I ask at the beginning, I'm like, hey, are you like, do, do you want to vent? Do you want help? Or do you just you just want to talk about it? Like, yeah, and that's great. And it's great that you lead with that question, because it's very easy to get into a space of wanting to help. Yeah, I'll save you some headaches uh, getting in fights with your wife and all that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I've learned quickly that it's best to just, okay, that's great, honey. I'm here. I'm here to listen. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, that's, that's. I mean, that's really what, what they want. You know, they want validation yeah. of their feelings. For sure. However, you and me are in a little bit of a different space where people are actively pursuing yeah, exactly. a solution to their problems, right? Sure. And I love the feeling when they get a little, a little glossy eyed, they get a little misty and they're like, oh my God, you're so right. I'm working with, uh, with a couple of, uh, of people that we know, uh, some, some new clients I'm working with and they've got uh, some issues with their phone, uh -huh. right? And like for me and for you and for them, the solution is pretty simple. You know, if you don't wanna be on your phone late at night or you don't wanna be at your phone first thing in the morning, like move where you're charging your phone. Exactly. Easier said than done. <laughs> like the solution is pretty clear. But anyway, let's get back to imposter syndrome because that's what we're talking about. For sure, for sure. And I, we've been on for a decent amount. I'm sure I don't want to take too much time, too much of your time. And I know- Let's I'll, go 15 I'll... more minutes. All right, 15 more. All right, within this 15 more, let's see, maybe you can ask your, your TikTok fans that are watching on your live, and I can open up to see if anybody that's watching on mine, if they have any more questions, we would love to answer. We'll give it a few seconds. So sure. drop a question. If you have anything relating to imposter syndrome, we would love to. Well, while we're waiting on some of those questions, yes. let me talk about circle of influence. This is yes. uh, one of the things that uh, Stephen Covey talks about in seven habits of highly effective people that's a great book. basically there are you know two circles of influence things that you can influence and you can change and then things that you can't change that are outside of your control and a lot of the times the things that we worry about with imposter syndrome we come up with all these like mind movies imagining every possible yep. future the things that we're daydreaming about or giving ourselves nightmares are things that we don't have control over and we have no ability to change the, the outcome. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's amazing how we just spend all our time worrying about those things. And that's a great book, by the way, anyone that hasn't read it, highly recommend. I guess, didn't you have a TikTok? Someone's on your TikTok mentioned oh, yeah. like the author's talk. <laughs> Definitely yeah. not author's talk, but I mean, readers talk for sure i know that some of my my best tiktoks are the ones with book recommendations i feel like that's something people are always wanting to learn well everyone wants to be a person who reads but then there's tiktok you know yeah, exactly but it's so important it, whether you're reading or consuming content to like understand the important concepts wherever you're getting exactly. it from I love TikTok. There's amazing stuff that you can get on TikTok, which is just as good as getting it from a book, but it's about like how in, intentional you are at, oh, I'm going on TikTok to consume content in order to grow as a person, instead of just, I'm going on TikTok to avoid all of my responsibilities and negative emotions. And I'm just trying to numb myself right now because I don't want to think about how bad my life is. I love that. That's so true. 
So like literally that. a graduate degree did not keep me from having imposter syndrome. So wow. true, Valica. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that like we said earlier, if you don't define what it's going to take, what rung of the ladder of success you're going to have to reach for you to feel confident in your abilities, then you're never going to feel com confident in your abilities. The grass is always greener on the other side. Exactly. And it's just this idea of having this drive. And I feel like we, we are almost in a society of that that's so so pushes this idea of always having to strive and always having to be oh, capitalism <laughs> capitalism right and even to the fact i mean i've named my group better than best academy and it seems yeah. a bit far-fetched or even to a, a sake of like striving but it's not in the sense of striving is in the sense of like we're never going to reach a peak and if we accept the fact that like there's always something to grow in then there's always a sense of like, that's not where the words are self words coming from. And I feel like, like we've mentioned a lot throughout this whole thing, when it comes to imposter syndrome and finding which rung of the ladder is going to be the height that you finally get there is realizing that you've already made it in your life. Like you've already, there's nothing more or less that you can do to be worthy of the person you are today. Like you are, you're already enough. You're already more than enough. You're already fully capable of doing the things that you want to do. It just, it takes the, the idea of, again, it goes back to a sense of character and a sense of almost like your morality and your, your compass of virtue is like, it's so crazy that we get so wrapped up in the doing. And I always will go back to that because it's like, it's literally the, the pinnacle of imposter syndrome is we get so wrapped up in the idea of we're not doing enough or we aren't enough, but when in fact we are. Yeah. I got a couple things in the chat here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go for it. Malika says, and I pursued that. So I would always know what I was doing. And I ended up with more anxiety as a result. It's the classic Dunning-Kruger of the yeah, more that you exactly. learn, the more that you more. learn you have to learn, which is daunting, but you know, that confidence it goes up, but then it does slowly creep up the more that you learn about about whatever you're, you're learning about. I got Carrington, who's a friend at Carrington. Uh, you'll never reach a peak in life. I love that. You'll never reach a peak in life unless you're at the peak of Mount Stupid. <laughs> exactly. Because you're definitely at a peak and the fall is going to hurt. <laughs> and it's coming soon. The fall is going to hurt and it's com coming soon. I definitely have been at Mount Stupid a couple times. Oh man, I uh, I have a video I posted on my Facebook group uh, of kind of my journey to get here. I am a fantastic sports better and uh, fantasy sports player specifically. All the DraftKings and FanDuel, I'm very good at that and I love it. I can't get enough of it. And as a result, I got really into strategy and game theory and decision-making education. Uh, and then COVID hit and then there were no more sports to bet on. And then I was kind of lost for a little bit. And I was like, oh, the stock market exists. That's kind of the same. I'm a genius. I'll probably figure it out. I like climbed way up to Mount Stupid, threw around these huge lumps of money because I thought that I knew what I was doing. And of course, I made like 30 grand in the first couple of weeks. And I was like, this is easy. I'm going to quit my job, do this full time. I'm amazing. And then at the peak of Mount Stupid, I put like, way too much money into some Chinese hologram stock. And oh. then overnight it went from $22 a share to like $7 a share. And I just, it broke me, you know, I just, I, I went all the way from thinking I was God's gift to stock trading to being devastated and realizing how much of an idiot I was. So I could say, I just, I'm, I'm going to take it on the chin and give up like a lot of people do when they get knocked down. Or I could say, I'm going to use this as fuel to get better. And I tried climbing up the mountain a little bit slower this time. And I learned about, you know, what it takes to make high quality decisions. Man, that's great. That is great. A heroic journey, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> we, we always learn, right? We're going to learn yeah. from every single failure and that's that's so huge when it comes to things and it ties back into when you are crippled with imposter syndrome and you don't think that you're able to do anything it's that idea of like you just got to go for it 
but go for it a little bit more strategically, right? Because I mean, mm. what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> what's the worst? Oh man, the what's the worst that can happen is such a great strat strategy and technique because so many of us catastrophize on what the worst oh, that yeah. could happen is, but not really putting in the details. Exactly. Just like oh, this and this and this could happen, but then you think about what actually could happen. And there have been so many bad things that have happened to you in your life, but you always end up okay. Exactly. You're always going to be okay. You're going to figure it out, whatever happens. Wasted energy catastrophizing. Totally. So I got something for you. I want to get your opinion on this. I've been thinking about like trying a new style of video or messaging. I want to talk a little bit about the, the hero's journey. I'm not sure if you know what that like graphic is. Yeah, I was thinking about making some TikToks about it. So like, if you look at a lot of the hero stories that we read about and watch movies, they're all kind of the same. Yeah. Right. You've got your young lead who uh, is living life on their own and then something happens. And then they first kind of like say, I don't want to get involved. This isn't, this isn't for me. This isn't my life. And then they meet that older mentor, that guide, you know, your Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then something else happens and then they have no choice but to like embrace the hero's journey and it goes on from there. I want, I want to be the Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, it sounds a little nerdy to, to say, but I think it's such a valuable role to provide for people. Yeah, I think that's so crucial and it's, it's a space that's needed because like you said, there's so many people that are, that are heroes in disguise. <laughs> They're just waiting to need that, that gentle push sometimes not so gentle push. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's a, a kick in the pants, as some would say. But yeah, I think that's an amazing idea. And likewise, I mean, we've had conversations in our accountability group just like that. It's the idea of like, people really need that guide. People really need that person in their life that's going to help pull out the, the potential and the purpose that is in them. And I think it's great. I think you should definitely go for that. If you've got imposter syndrome, you need somebody who's going to show you why you're wrong, who's going to walk you through it objectively with facts and not just be a cheerleader. Exactly. You've got cheerleaders already in your life. Exactly. You know, it's kind of an empty praise. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I was talking to my mom today, who is an artist, and she was talking about how she posted uh, her art on her Facebook story every day for two weeks. I was so proud of her. Right. Awesome. And we talked about it and she said, you know, the feedback she got from posting on Facebook was that her friends would like it, mm. but that it just didn't really matter to her because she knew that they were really just liking it because they cared about her exactly. as a friend, as a person, and not necessarily because of what she created. Um, you need somebody objectively who will be honest with you when you need to hear that. And yeah. isn't that a higher form of love? Oh, yeah. And 100%. And I even, I look at it, it's just to piggyback off that, there's this person in particular I know, and I mean, they are the best cheerleader, the best encouraging person, but they they have, you know, the few phrases that they use for like everyone, you know, you're amazing, you're best of the best kind of thing, and, and you hear that, and that's amazing to get, you know, everyone wants to hear those words of affirmation, especially if that's your love language. But when it's said to everyone, like you said, when it's the same, when they're just doing it because it's you, opposed to like, if you really did an amazing job. Uh, I, and then I can also on the flip side, think of another person in particular that came mm -hmm. up to me once. And this was fairly early going back to my, my drumming, drumming days and still drumming now, but it was like early into my whole like getting out there, being on stage, playing for Sundays. And this one person in particular, and they're not going to lie to you. They're going to tell you exactly, you know, what, what it is. And they came up to me and they were like, that's the best someone plays that song. And I was like that. And they said that years ago. And that still stuck with me because they never, <laughs> they never say those things. So when they do say yeah. those things, it matters. Carries weight. So yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying there. You need those people in your life that are going to tell you, when things suck and when things are amazing and a lot mm -hmm. and oftentimes it's hard to get that from those closest to you like you mentioned earlier those that are very emotionally attached to you it's very it can be very hard to get that from them because they're they're gonna love you for you 
and I can, I you know there's plenty of times that I can ask my wife, Hey babe, is this video good? Yeah, honey. Or, or, or the worst you part. Need to watch it. You need to watch it. it. Yeah. She's just skipping it on her for you page. And I'm like, babe, this is great. I'm glad that you're killing my algorithm right now. <laughs> well, I but, got uh, Kamara. Is Kamara still in here? Kamara was asking me a question. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you got more questions. No, Kamara hopped off. That's all right. She was asking what is imposter syndrome? Oh yeah. Um, Did we discuss like the actual definition? Sure. Yeah. At the beginning though. I feel like we did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, excellent session. Um, some yeah. techniques we talked about for anybody who's still here kind of wrapping up, uh, some things that I love to use and then you can hop into, uh, red. Uh, I love to use the technique of giving a silly name to your negative self-talk in your head. It's such a great thing to do. Give an alter ego to that negative self-talk. Um, Tell yourself, especially if, you know, your uh, imposter syndrome comes from perfectionism, tell yourself that done is better than perfect. Yeah. That's a great. job well done sometimes just means having it done because nothing you do is ever going to be perfect. Check your expectations. Yeah. Really write out what it's going to mean for you to be satisfied with whatever you're doing and then follow through. What about from you, Red? What do you got for us? There's a few things to piggyback off the perfectionist. You've got to mm -hmm. learn to take those mistakes in stride, viewing them as a natural part of the process and push yourself to act before you're ready. You know, force yourself to start the project you've been planning for months. Mm -hmm. And the truth is you'll never be in that perfect time. And, you know, you're never going to be 100% flawless. So it kind of like you said, you know, done is better than perfect. Done is better than any of those things so just take action that would be the big thing is like when you get into that crippling paralyzing imposter syndrome state take mm -hmm. action and do it scared because <laughs> yeah it with with anything great in life it's one step outside of your comfort zone and it's like if you sit there and you're always in your comfort zone then you're never going to be living life to its full potential so if there was any two things I could say is, you know, you step out of your comfort zone, do it, take action and know that there's not going to be a perfect time. That I love that. The perfect time. There, the perfect time. <laughs> there will never be a perfect time except for now. Yeah. Now is the exactly. perfect time. Right. I love it. That's awesome. Oh, All right. Well, we're going to hop off and uh, we're, we're going to do this again. This is great. Yep. And if you're catching this on the replay, please comment. Let me know that this was something that you value, something you want more. If, if you're loving Jordan's content, please, we'll, we'll link his TikTok and everything like that. So you can give him a, a shout out and subscribe and like all this stuff, you know, do all the things that people do when they, <laughs> they enjoy the something. But yes, and if you're not a part of the Better Than Best Academy, my Facebook group, then please let me know. I will leave the link in the, the comments of this video. I'll leave it on my personal page so you can join because most of these videos won't be on my personal page. Actually, none of them will. <laughs> They'll all be in the yeah. group. So you'll definitely want to join the group. <laughs> you'll definitely want to join that content. But with that, um, we're going to sign off and we'll see y'all. Right, see you next time. See ya. All right. And I all right, stick around for a minute.